I appreciate it. Um, what have we been talking about, or what, what what has Pastor Jesse been going through for like the past few weeks? Galatians. Who wrote Galatians? Jail did not write Galatians. Paul, who used to be Saul, that's right. Um, when was Galatians written? Huh? Say it. Y'all know it. Thank you. Thank you. 49 to 54 AD. And what is the theme? What is the theme? Salvation by grace alone. That's right. Um, Galatians is a very, very interesting letter. Um, I, I don't know. Have y'all enjoyed Galatians as we've been going through it? So we're, we're starting chapter five tonight. Okay. Um, there's six chapters in the book of Galatians. Um, and if you, if you break it out, you can break it out. There's three times, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. We're starting the last third of Galatians. Um, if you, if you can kind of re, recap of what Pastor Jesse has been going through, the first two chapters was really Paul kind of writing to this church. Um, it, let me stop right there. What was going on in the church, in the churches, we're, we're talking plural now, what was going on in uh, the churches of Galatia during this time? False teaching, right. Um, a really funny word, Judy, Judaizers were kind of infiltrating the church at that point. And the first chapters, Paul was, was mainly saying, hey, I'm an apostle, and let me tell you why this is wrong, okay? The second, the second third of those chapters, um, which is three and four, which we just came out of, is really like the doctrinal foundation of salvation, faith, and faith alone, okay? And so we, as we transition into chapter five tonight, you're going to see a tone, like a, a tone change in the letter. And so we're moving from the doctrinal portion of salvation by, by faith alone into the application portion of that. Um, so if you remember last week, Pastor Jesse um, was going through the last half of chapter 4, and, and he pulled something from Genesis. You all remember who those characters were in Genesis? There was, there was two separate characters that Paul was kind of using in an analogy form. Yeah, yeah, Abraham and Sarah and, and the birth and Ishmael. Um, so what Pastor Jesse was talking about was the fact that, you know, you had these Judaizers who were saying, hey, you got to believe in Jesus, and then you have to do these things too. And, and what Paul was saying was that that's wrong. That's, that's nothing what Jesus taught and what the foundation of the church was based upon. It was by salvation it, uh, it was by faith alone that you received salvation. And, and, and we talk, we've talked a lot about Gentiles, right? Who are the Gentiles? Us. We're the Gentiles in modern, modern day 2020 Camden County, Kentucky, wherever you're at. We're the Gentiles unless you are from Jewish descent. We're the Gentiles. And um, everything that Paul is saying in this letter is, is very applicable to us today. Just because this happened 2,000 years ago doesn't mean that is not applicable to us today. Um, so before I get going, I just I just want to kind of, I don't know, I, I want to brag on, on the team that we have here. Pastor Jesse's out right now. He's getting some much needed time off. But guys, we have a good, we have a good 
um, a good youth pastor and a good youth pastor's wife here. I just want you guys to realize that we have a great team. I mean, all the leaders that are involved in, in what they're doing here, I mean, we've got, this is family, okay? So I just, I just want to brag on Pastor Jesse a little bit. Um, I did send him my, um, my overview of what I was going to talk about, and I inserted a sentence in there that said, talk bad about Jesse, and he didn't, he didn't act to me about it, so I don't know if he didn't read it or what, but um, so, so tonight uh, we're moving to chapter 5. And what I want us to what I want to establish is kind of an overarching theme, and that theme is simplicity. Okay, do, does, do y'all are y'all simple people? Like y'all like simple things, or okay, not kind of sort of in the middle. I tell you what, I am a simple person. Like I am so happy that I live in 2023. First off, I'm an engineer, and I had to take a lot of math classes in college and high school and all that. Um, guess what we get to use as engineers in those classes? Calculators. Calculators. Guess what they had back in the like 60s and 70s? They had something called like slide rules and also, give me out, a number two pencil and paper. They had to do all that themselves. Um, so that's simplicity to me. We get calculators now. What about internet access? We have internet access at our fingertips now. Way back when, that wasn't always the case. We have microwaves. You know, I cooked those ramen, or Mally, my wife cooked those ramen noodles earlier. She probably put them in the microwave. But way back when, they didn't have something that easy. They had, they had to do their other things. Um, the other things that I was thinking about that are, like, simple in these days is, like, groceries. Like, you can have groceries delivered to your doorstep. How, how crazy is that? Um, not only groceries, I got a pair of glasses delivered to my doorstep. You can get uh, Invisalign braces sent to your doorstep. It's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty soon, we're going to have drones probably delivering that stuff, or like robots or something. I don't know. It's going to be even, even more simple. Um, but I want to establish that theme tonight, simplicity. As we, as we move into chapter 5 of Galatians, um, we're going to see Paul kind of lay out what the true gospel is to the churches in, uh, in Galatia. So Miss Sarah is going to be our reader tonight. Um, so if you want mind coming over here, Sarah, she's going to read third. She is going to read through uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. I'll use that mic. If you want to stand in honor of reading God's word. All right. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for hopes of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Okay. Dear Holy Father God, I just want to pray to you right now. I just want to pray as Pastor or Mr. Tad speaks tonight, God, that you'll just open up our hearts to just really hear what you're trying to uh, say to us. Uh, just You know our hearts, you know our intentions, God. I just want to pray that you'll 
Keep us safe tonight. Watch over us and let us learn a lot from your prayer. Amen. Sarah, I'm sorry. I kind of laid that on you at the end. Um, but you prayed well. You prayed well. Um, so thank you again, Sarah, for reading chapter 5. So the way I'm going to do this tonight, guys, um, we're going we're gonna to take this verse by verse. There's some deep stuff in, in this section of Scripture, and I don't see really any other way of doing that other than going through verse by verse. So that's what we're going to do. So verse 1, it says, For freedom to set us free, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul is saying there, right there, from the, from the get-go, to stand firm. That means, basically, stay where you are. For these believers in the church who were being swayed by the, the Judaizers, the false teachers, he was saying, hey, stand firm, okay? Don't be moved by, by their false teaching. Um, and, and it also speaks of, um, of something to, to the effect of a yoke of slavery. Um, are we talking about eggs here? What are we... <laughs> Who knows what a yoke is in, in, in the biblical context? Do y'all know? Just say it out. It's not egg. That's I don't like eggs. Huh? Huh? I'm sorry. Years. No, no. Any other guesses? Yokes. I really don't like eggs. It, okay, that's right. It is like a horse harness. So this was a very agrarian culture. So they, they, they planted a lot of like crops, and, and that's how these people lived back then. And so everything that Paul is saying in this letter and all of other, all of Paul's other writings, these people would have known what he's talking about. Um, so for us, it takes a little bit of digging, and that's what we're doing tonight. But it's speaking to a yoke as something that goes on the back of an animal to help them plow. Um, I had a picture, and I forgot to send it to get it on the on the. Uh, the screen up there, but it's basically like they had these cows and they have this giant wooden like device that sat on their neck, and then you had the cow or, or whatever animal that was helping them pull this plow to like cut through the field and stuff, so it was really heavy, and then you had riding on top of the animals, right, to, to basically show them the way of, of the lines being cut into the ground. And so what Paul is, is really saying is that this is like a yoke that you don't want on your back. It's a burden of rigorous demands that the law adds to gaining God's favor for these believers. So if you remember, Pastor Jesse has been talking a lot about the, 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 um, the Judaizers, the false teachers. They were adding the law to salvation in Christ alone through, through faith alone. So they were doing the and thing, right? They were saying, you, you, you've got to have Jesus and you have to do this to be saved. And, and what Paul is saying here is that don't submit again to that yoke, to that burden that's on your back. That's actually slavery. Um, if you remember, Pastor Jesse was, was mentioning um, something about 600 plus laws that, that the Jewish um, believers were supposed to submit to. Okay, I can't even keep five things together in a day hardly, but 600 plus laws, and if you break one, you break all of them. And so what Paul was saying here is um, it's a yoke of slavery. You're enslaved to the law if you believe just one thing has to be added to salvation in, in Christ through, through faith alone. Um, and, and the set us free there, um, the, the Greek word for free, right there, is... It, it ties right back to slavery. Um, 
So you see a lot of imagery coming out in this first verse. For freedom, Christ has set us free, not to be bound by the law, but to and, and to not to submit again to a yoke of slavery. And he continues, he says in verse 2, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now, circumcision, we, we've seen that word a lot here in these 12 verses. Um, circumcision was all around in the, in the Old Testament, in the Sea Testament. The Testament was a sign of, the, of a covenant with um, It marked them, it marked the Jews as the chosen people. No objection to circumcision because Paul himself was circumcised. He said it in, the, in his letter to the Philippians. Um, but he objected that you had to be circumcised to be one with Christ, to have your salvation. Testament, book of Deuteronomy, you can see that it was a symbol of a cleansed heart. Um, and in the book of Genesis, God of this circumcision with directing Abraham to circumcise the males in his family, back in Genesis chapter 17. And, and he said this was to be an ongoing practice. Um, but the practice kind of fell on the wayside when, when the Jews uh, eat in bondage, and then when they finally reached the promised land, it kind of got going again. There was a whole thing in the book of, um, of Joshua where, where that circumcision came back into play. Words are super important, right? Like, I'm, I'm taking these verses and I'm looking at words, because words are very important. If you miss what the definition of one of these words is, it can really mess up the overall theme of the verse and the, you know, the scripture going through. So Paul says, look, if you accept circumcision, Christ is going to be of an advantage to you. That word advantage in the old Greek actually means value. So Christ will be of no value to you if you accept that you have to do the end, whatever that is, to receive salvation in Christ. Guys, we have to remember that Christ is for us. Um, you know, take my yoke. Uh, actually, I, I'd set this aside in my Bible. Um, Matthew chapter 10 Verses, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. This is Jesus' words, okay? He said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gently, gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Y'all probably heard scripture before, but think of it in the context of what Paul is talking about now. The yoke, the, thing, the heavy thing that sat on the animals. You know, as they strain, strain to make lines to plant um, crops. Take the light yoke that is in Christ. Um, whatever you have, whatever past things, um, fears, issues in your life that weigh heavily on us like a yoke, Jesus is saying, hey, take my yoke. It's lighter. So verse 3, um, Paul continues. He says, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Obligated. That Greek word actually refers to being a, a debtor. Okay, being in debt to something, um, one who owes, one in, who is anyway bound to complete something. So if you remember, we just talked about it. Six hundred plus laws in the old Jewish, um, like law book, basically. Um, it's all or nothing. If you failed on one, you failed all of them. Okay, Romans twenty-three: For all have sinned and fall short. That is true for me. That's true. That's true for everybody who has ever been born, except for Jesus and anyone who's born ahead. We're all 
and we all mess up. So, so Paul is basically saying, um, I testify again to everyone who accepts circumcision that he's got to keep the whole law of that. Verse 4 says, You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. So this this is out to me because it's kind of the thing. Um, you were severed from Christ. That's like being cut away from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. We continue to see that word law again. You have fallen away from grace. Now I do want to make a point here um, to that that statement where it says you've fallen from grace. People will typically, um, well I'm not going to say all people, there are some people out there that will take this scripture and say, oh well, this shows that you can lose your salvation. When in all reality, the, when you look at the script, the Greek, um, when you look at the Greek scripture for this, it, it's saying to lose one grip. So to fall away from Christ means that you yourself have fallen away from following Christ. Um, Luke chapter eight verses thirteen and fourteen. Um, if you if you want to turn with me, feel free. But that is about the parable of the sower. I'm sure y'all have read that before. Um, but the parable of the sower talks about seeds being, you know, put on different types of soil. And what's it say in verse 13 and 14? It says, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But they have no roots. They believe for just a little while. And in time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit is not mature. So, so we see there that that salvation is a firm put your faith and trust in, in Christ. And in, in John 10, Jesus actually no one can snatch anybody from my Father's hands once he's got them. So I just I wanted to make that clear there that you may hear somebody saying that verse 4 says you have fallen away from grace. That means you lose your salvation. That's not what that means. Either. Verse 5 says, and, and let me stop right there. So I've, I've got the platform, obviously, today. Um, Pastor Jesse typically has it. Pastor Jesse said this last week, and I just want to reiterate it to you guys. Never take anything at face value from what you get up here. For sure, not with me tonight. You know, go back and review Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 12 for yourself. Dig into the word. I tell my guys all the time, and, and Mr. Paul up there, we, we re- re- reiterate, words are hard, um, we reiterate to, to our guys that, it doesn't take that long to dive into some scripture every day. I always hear people, I mean, these are like grown people I work with, and they're just like, well, I, just, I had so much to do today, I didn't really get around to it, and, you know, I've got to go do this and that, and I, I just don't have time to read scripture. And, you know, I just tell them, like, Sarah got up here, and it took her 45 seconds to go to the 12 verses. If you don't have 45 seconds, we got an issue. We really do. Dive into scripture daily. Get into scripture. Don't take what I say at face value. Don't take uh, anything that people say to you at face value. Dive into scripture yourself. Verse 5. It says, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So righteousness for which we hope here. What Paul is talking about is a reference to God's final verdict of not guilty. Okay? Not guilty that's assured presently to those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. And the sanctifying work that the Spirit provides as you grow in your, in your walk of faith with Jesus. Um, who knows what Hebrews 11 1 says? We, we talk about that a lot in the period of KFC. What is it, Brock? 
Yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us the, the, the best definition for what faith is. Um, and, and here, what Paul is saying is, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Faith, faith is what we use to wait for that righteousness. And Paul says here that we ourselves eagerly await. You know what I think about when, when like, I think of the word eager? I think of the night, and, and maybe not so much now that I'm an adult, but when I was younger, the night before Christmas, man, I was eager to wake up the next day, right? Like, I'd been looking at some gifts under the tree, and, like, I was just, man, I was ready to wake up the next day and open those gifts. That's, that's kind of how I think Paul was, was using this word in reference to verse 5. He's eagerly, eagerly waiting for the hope of righteousness. Righteousness. And then let's talk about righteousness. What does righteousness mean, right? Righteousness is, is basically, it's an idea that, or an ideal against which somebody or somebody's action is judged against. Okay? So we, it is, we are judged against God. That, that's who we are judged against. It's a state of moral, moral perfection. And so if God is moral perfection and he's righteous, human beings are then measured against God's righteous. And man, that's tough. Because guess what? We are broken. We are messed up. And we will never meet God's uh, righteousness except through Jesus. Um, you know, this life, everybody wants perfection in this life. Um, in the business world, I work out on, on base here. Um, it, it seems to me the business world is a lot about perfection. It's like trying to push you to be the best you can be. And while that's not bad, you're never going to be perfect. The general world typically says, show me how perfect you are. Social media, that's all it's about. Let me get this best picture. Let me get the best picture, the best lighting. Look at you now. I'm just kidding. Wait, uh, let me get this best. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Um, try to get this best picture, the best lighting. But, but we see that we're not perfect, right? Jesus turns this upside and he said, basically, um, show me your heart. Show me your real self. Show me your imperfections, your heartaches. When you're weak, then you really are strong. Um, you know, just just going off of, of off of that verse five, it is so important to remember that that as we eagerly await for the hope of righteousness, we have to realize that Jesus is the one who makes it perfect. Verse six, continuing on, it says, "For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love." We see that word again, faith. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you have a, a law guidebook that you're trying to follow. It's only working through love. Um, if you've ever read the the epistle First John, John goes goes ham on telling you how to love. It's it's really cool. Um, I love I love First John. Um, and so faith working through love is basically saying that saving faith proves its genuine character by works of love. The person who loves by faith is internally motivated to love God in Christ. We, we see that in Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus give, provides the greatest commandment. Do you all know what that was? Lo, huh? Did somebody say it? Love God and love people, right? Jesus, Jesus was talking to some Pharisees, and they were trying to trip them up. 
and they ask him what's the greatest commandment and Jesus basically says hey love God and love people and all the rest will work itself out so we see here Paul is, is laying that out he says it doesn't matter what you do it's only faith working through love and and, and our society has some crazy definitions of love guys um, and so you might have to ask yourself sometimes what is love to you I challenge you go read what first John has to say about love it'll, it'll, it'll it takes society's definitions of love and, and turns it upside down so moving on verse 7 Paul says hey guys you were running well who hindered you from obeying the truth you were running Paul is saying hey before the the, the false teachers came in before the Judaizers came in and hindered them uh, you were running well so what happened Paul loves Paul loves to depict life as a race he, he does it in, in his uh, in his book uh, in his letter for, to the Philippians um, and, and so if you look at your life right now, you might see how it's a race. You know, sometimes you have to speed up. Sometimes you have to slow down. I kind of think of my life as like Mario Kart because I love Mario Kart. Um, and, and I see the Judaizers here, the banana peels, you know, getting spit out and tripping these people up, right? These folks were trying to find God. The Judaizers and the false teachers were, were trying to find God in all the wrong places. Um, and, and, you know, if you look around at our world today, it may seem like less people are trying to find God. I don't think that's true. Chad's opinion, that's not true. They're just looking for it in all the wrong places. Kind of like the Judaizers, false teachers, where you want to call them, we're here in this setting. People are still searching. They're still searching for that peace that only God, through Jesus Christ, provides us. Um, and, and one more thing to say about verse 7. I love the word hinder. When, when Paul says, who hindered you from obeying the truth. He, he's talking about influences and, and, and just think of some of the influences that we have in our life. Have you ever been a bad influence to somebody that might have influenced them negatively, right? That's <laughs> a great point that um, um, You know, so, so that's something to think about. Are you similar to Paul who was writing this passage? Has someone cut in on your walk with Christ and allowed for them to lead you astray? This kind of goes back to the reference of of the, the parable of the sower that we were talking about just earlier. At one time, they were running well, and now after hearing the good message, or after hearing the good message truth, they were running well, but for some reason, they've been diverted. And the truth is that salvation is a free gift. No works are required other than putting your faith and trust in Jesus. It's, it's really cool. Paul wrote a lot about salvation and sanctification in Galatians. We've been talking about it for weeks now. Um, I call it like a little mini Romans. If you've ever been through Romans, Paul says, talks a lot about what we're talking about tonight here in Romans. Verse 8 says, This persuasion, he's talking about the hindered, who's hindering you from the truth. Verse 8, Paul says, This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Jesus, Jesus is not going to persuade you. We see the red letters in the gospel. Jesus wasn't persuading people to get circumcised. He didn't say, go get circumcised and then come to me and you find salvation. Jesus says, come to me and you'll find salvation. Um, verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So we've talked about yolks, right, eggs. Now we're talking about bread. Is that how we're working? Do y'all know what leavening is? The leavening agent in bread? That's right. That's right. So we're not talking, we're not baking a cake here. Just want to clarify that. We've talked about eggs and baking a salvation, like, by faith alone, okay, right? Uh, that's a bad joke, you might know. Um, anyways, 
a little leaven leavens the whole lump. This is really kind of like a proverbial way that Paul used here to stress some effect that these false were um, were doing inside of this church. When the word, and so we talk about leaven flows with the word yeast. It's used in the Bible. It's usually a symbol that indicates something that's evil or like corrupting influence. Um, and, and, and Jesus talks about it in the book of Matthew in verses 16. He's actually talking about Pharisees and he uses that word for them too. Um, and, and you think about this with regards to fake teeth teaching, false teaching, or really any sin in our lives, um, the smallest of sins can become the biggest issue in our lives. The Church of Galatia would have known exactly what Paul was saying right here. Um, and, and I just, I, I say this to, I'll say this to me as I was preparing for this message. Um, have, have, have I ever been the bad influence to lead somebody that's straight from Christ? You know, in my former days, I, I can tell you 100% that's a yes. And unfortunately, I'm working as hard as I can for that not to be the case now. Um, but but I challenge you guys to look at your own life. How does one little sin end up affecting multiple parts of your life? It, it's pervasive. It's permeating. It's like the yeast that Paul teaches about here. It goes a long way. So verse 10, we're, we're getting towards the end here. Verse 10, Paul says, I have confidence in the Lord that you would take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever that is. Um, so, funny thing about Paul, if you ever read, Philippians is a very happy book, or letter. If you've ever read Philippians, it's like it's got a good vibe to it. And some of Paul's other letters have good vibes, maybe maybe not so much as mighty as Philippians, but Galatians is the only book where Paul doesn't commend the readers. Okay, so he doesn't, like, typically Paul would say, hey, great job at what you're doing, great job with the church, great job of, of, of the believer's faith. You don't see that in Galatians. And really, verse 10 here is, is about the most confidence that he exerts. And it kind of shows at how serious of a situation Paul saw this. Paul saw that the church, the believers, were crumbling because you had these false teachers interjecting things regarding the gospel that, that they just aren't true. Um, scary thing scary thing about false teachers, uh, if you go read 2 Peter chapter 2, yeah, that's your homework tonight, go, go see what's in store for false teachers. It's, it's kind of scary. Um, verse 11, But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. So, Paul had, had been dealing with with people saying that he, he was doing things that were outside of the gospel norm for basically his entire ministry, okay? So if you ever notice, if you're doing the right thing, people probably aren't going to like you. If you're falling in line with, with what God's Word says for your life, people probably are going to try to trip you up. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's like, um, if, I'm, if I'm still preaching circumcision, so obviously somebody had been saying that, that Paul was preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted, right? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Um, that's pretty cool. The Greek word for the offense of the cross there can basically mean stumbling block. Any offer of salvation that strips us an opportunity to earn it by our own merit, you know what that, you know what that does? That really breeds opposition. Look what I've done. Look what I've done for the kingdom. I'm better than you. 
I've talked to three people. You've only talked to two people about Christ. I'm better Christian than you, right? Anything that, that, that deals with merit breeds opposition. And this is huge. This levels the playing field for everybody. This levels the playing field for every Christian in history and everybody in this room that if you believe in Christ, you can't use the things that you've done for God's kingdom to say, hey, look what I've done. Look how much better I am than you. What, what Paul is saying here is that there is nothing that we can do except, except Jesus. Um, verse 12, as we close this out, this is a tough verse. This is, this is a tough verse to read for Paul. Paul says here, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. So what that basically is saying in the old Greek uh, translation is, hey, if you're going to say that you have to get circumcised, you might as well go the whole way and take everything off. Okay, That's basically what Paul is saying. He's like, take it all off. If you think the circumcision is going to save you, you might as well take it all off. It's, it's really intense. You know, there's been cults throughout history who have done these crazy things to try, try to get closer to God, whether it's be not eating, not drinking water. Some people walked around whipping themselves, like crazy things. And, and we see here in these 12 verses in the book of Galatians, in the New Testament, in the entire Bible, that there's a simple, simple, simple message. And it's just Jesus. There's nothing else. Nothing else. Just Jesus. So tying things up, we have this truth of justification by faith, right? That's our theme of Galatians. But have you ever wondered, you know, we're talking about something that's simple. Have you ever wondered, why is it faith alone? Why did God choose faith as that instrument for receiving justification? To, to be made right, right, in God's eyes. We may ask God why God chose faith to be the attitude of the heart. Why, could not, why couldn't God have just decided to give justification to all those who sincerely show love? Because there's a lot of people out there that show love, right? Or how about who show joy or contentment or humility or wisdom? There's some very wise people out there. Why did God choose faith? And, and if you really think about it, 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 it's apparently because faith is the one attitude of the heart that is the exact opposite of depending on yourself. When we come to Christ in faith, we essentially say, hey, I give up. I can't do it. I cannot depend on myself or my own good works any longer. I know that I can never make myself righteous before God. Therefore, Jesus, I trust in you. I depend on you completely to give me a righteous standing before God. So faith is the opposite of my spot. This is all I'm here about. In this way, faith is the opposite of trusting in ourselves, and therefore, it is the attitude that perfectly fits salvation. It doesn't depend on my merit. It doesn't depend on what we've done. It depends on that faith in Jesus. To take God at his word, this Bible, this is our life guide, right? To take God at his word and to rely on him to do the promises that he stated. Paul explains in another letter, he says, this is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to his offspring. That's Romans. And then y'all know this one. you got to know this one. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Who knows which letter that's going to be? Ephesians. Sorry. I thought you might not know. Anyway, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. It's point blank. 
Paul wrote, wrote about this everywhere. It's, it's sporadic throughout the Bible. Paul repeatedly says that the works by works of the law, no human will be justified in the sight. So, so I leave you with that tonight. We've already talked about that in, in, in verse 4, kind of like the, the theme of these 12 verses. Um, but for creed, oh, excuse me, I, I should have said verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a real slavery. I leave that with you tonight, guys. If there's anything going on in your life that's just holding you, that's just holding you where you think that I've got to do this, I've got to be better for Christ, let that go. Let that go because we've read tonight in these 12 verses that that is not the case. Go read the rest of the New Testament and you'll see that theme continue to pop up. Um, we have great leaders here tonight. If, if, you're, if you're dealing with something, this is, this is a safe place. Come talk to somebody. Come lay it out here at the altar. We're about to get up in here and sing one more song. Um, this is a safe place. Don't, don't leave tonight without being firm and understanding the simplicity of the gospel. I, I really think I speak for all the leaders in saying that tonight. Uh, man, man, we love you guys. Um, so we're here for you. Um, and I'm going to pray this out. Uh, worship team, as you want to come up here and be glad get going. Father God, um, thank you for your word. Thank you for, for Galatians. Um, man, we're just, we're, we're so thankful that, that you provided a way um, through your son Jesus that we don't have to take the yoke of the law anymore um, and that, that we can trust simply in you for salvation through your son Jesus God I pray for anyone in this room tonight that, that is struggling with that anyone that doesn't know you that they come to know you God and that they can devote their life to you and glorify you in everything I give all these things in Jesus name